epitch.org. Entrepreneurs telling their stories, giving us a better understanding of the entrepreneurial experience. Everbloom Health Incorporated, an associate company located on the campus of the Hudson Alpha Institute for Biotechnology, launched a granola product to suit the dietary needs of kidney failure patients on dialysis. Everbloom Health is a subsidiary of Sulfilitech Incorporated, a preclinical stage biotechnology company founded by Dr. Chris Cummings, which also focuses on dialysis. Sophilitech is developing novel treatments tailored to the unique biochemical profile of dialysis patients in order to improve dialysis outcomes. Now, let's discuss Dr. Chris Cummings and his adventures in entrepreneurship. Here we go, E-Pitch Fast 30. What is your full name? Christopher F. Cummings. What is your age? 35. What city were you born in? Modesto, California. One thing most people don't know about you. I had childhood leukemia. What is better, being organized or attention to details? Being organized. Multitask or single task? Both. I personally believe multitasking is just single tasking quickly. Introvert or extrovert? Uh, prefer introvert, but have to be extrovert sometimes. Favorite vacation spot? I love mountains in the wintertime. I like the snow. Favorite food? Mexican, hands down. One thing you can't live without? The Bible. What is one thing you are most afraid of? Not a fan of swimming in rivers or oceans. Shop online or brick and mortar? Typically brick and mortar, but it depends. If you could teach any greater subject, what would it be? Elementary music. Favorite subject in school? History. Movie theater or watch a movie at home? At home. Favorite color? Orange. Coffee, soda, or water? Coffee. Fast or slow? Slow. Sunrise or sunset? Sunrise. Book, TV, or phone? Dog or cat? Dog. Favorite entrepreneur? There's several. I'm of the opinion you can learn something from everybody. Favorite summer activity? I love gardening and being with the family. Do you have a hobby? And if so, what is it? I like to garden. Okay, gardening. That's good. What is one of your pet peeves? Running out of printer ink during the middle of a printing project. Plan or spontaneous? Uh, both. It kind of depends upon what's at hand. Late or early? Early. Describe yourself with three words. Uh, patient-oriented and diligent. Apple or Android? Apple. And do you love what you do? Yes. And there you have it, Chris's ePitch Fast 30. Chris, can you tell us some about your background and how you got started? So, uh, as an early child, I was diagnosed with leukemia, and 
uh, went through treatments for three years with that. Um, felt very blessed to have uh, survived that, but it's one of the things that was very formative for me. So when I got into college, started going towards more biology and medicine, wound up going to grad school, got a PhD in biochemistry, but all the while wanted to eventually get into something of where I could help make new treatments or new products for patients to help patients. So uh, I guess you could say that all growing up was kind of just slotted down the track of trying to wind up in a field of where I would be helping patients and uh, did not expect to be where I am now, but it's just one of those things that kind of happened. Now, you are currently at Hudson Alpha. Yes. How did that come about? Again, didn't expect it. We had started a company called Safila Tech in 2013 up in Nashville. For cost efficiency purposes, we had kept it virtual, so it was literally a kitchen table, nights, weekends, 5 a.m. We had started to get some data that was coming back positive and getting ready to um, try and take it from the virtual to have a more of an office. And came down to Hudson Alpha to get a competitive quote, and it was hard to pass up. We haven't looked back. It's been a tremendous spot. It, beautiful facility, um, beautiful area. I really believe that the people are the asset of the, of the whole of the whole spot. It's just tremendous people to be at, be with, um, fantastic people to work around. And I know at Hudson Alpha, they try to get people to engage with one another. Uh, they have uh, a lot of windows inside. They have a lot of tables down in the lobby area. I know that people, especially at Hudson Alpha, they get very busy with their day. Have you found it uh, easier working at Hudson Alpha to try to reach out to meet people, or is it still sort of a, a trying time trying to reach out to your colleagues? And it's very collaborative. It's fantastic. I mean, they, they designed it, as they talk about, to foster collaborations where you can you know, literally look out the window and see if you know, so-and-so's in their office, it's all class. And you need to go talk to him, so he's there, so maybe go catch him or go catch her over there. It, it's been a great spot for us. We've definitely um, worked with other companies that's helped move us forward. And I think the, um, the building architecture definitely contributes to it. But more than just a bunch of glass, it's great people that are willing to jump in and help out. I can't speak enough to just the caliber of the people there. Can you kind of take us through what it took to open your company here in Huntsville. Uh, I know that you have a family, uh, four kids with another one on the way soon. When you moved down here, what did it take to move into your office, get the licensing and all of that ready for your business? How did that look like? Uh, if you can remember just three years ago, what that looked like. Exciting as well as fumbling in the dark, uh, to be quite honest. It was a natural move down. We were excited to come down here. Uh, the family was excited to move. It was a natural transition point for us. We had just sold our place up in Nashville. Definitely happy to be down here and get started with a new place. But then uh, a lot of just searching and trying to ask other people, hey, how do you do this and how do you do that and what's all this about? And uh, it, it's just a process. It's just a time frame. It's a it's not like a two-week and then you're settled. It's more of just a season where you gradually kind of get out of it and feel like I've done this process before and I've done that. I think this is how this is all going well. So, yeah, a lot of uh, fumbling in the dark, but eventually you kind of come through that phase. 
So when you first opened, did you just go and get a business license to start? We moved down here. We were trying to get everything settled, so we got everything settled with the state and the licenses. Yeah, it was all kind of a range of stuff. That's a blur back then. Did you have to do any build-out to your office? No. So from that point, we, we, had, we were coming from the virtual, where it was really everything run off laptop. So it was everything was very portable. Um, all of the experiments that we were doing were done by contractors, and so I'd co coordinate with people across the country. Laboratory up in Boston gets materials from another place, and they ship samples to another place to uh, have things done. At the end of it all, the data comes right back to me, and I ag aggregate it all. So moving to Hudson Alpha was basically uh, a relief, because instead of running all that from a kitchen table, I had a desk to run that all off of. So it was an upgrade. Now, can you tell us about Everbloom Health, how that became a product? Kind of give the context for it and then get to the question that a little bit. That would be bit. great. So we started Sophila Tech, the parent company, in 2013. We had uh, what we thought was some scientific advances that could help people that were on dialysis. So we formed Sophila Tech in 2013 truly as a biotech company doing classical uh, drug development studies. The data actually still looks great. It's a fantastic program going on there and very excited to see that program continue to move forward over time. The context for it is that when you go on dialysis, your kidneys have shut down. So dialysis is performed three times a week, purifies your blood. So it, it is literally life-saving. But one of the things that happens is that once you go on to dialysis, your lifespan goes down relative to a healthy individual. Really just dialysis is life-saving, but it can't replicate the functions of a healthy kidney. And incidence of heart disease skyrockets. What we wanted to do is trying to figure out whether the science that we were working with was related to that mortality and heart disease in dialysis. Um, the studies were pointing towards that. It's all very positive, suggesting that we may truly have something on our hands that can really help dialysis patients live healthier and longer over time. But this is something that will take a long time to get to patients. Long product development cycle. Uh, along the way, uh, realizing that for this to become a product and the time frame it would take to get there, the people that are on dialysis today probably won't be alive when this becomes a product. Um, just that much of a difference within there. Separately, before we formed the company, my co-founder and I, as we were hashing out, you know, what do we want this to be, we came to the agreement that we wanted this, uh, we wanted to pursue a low dilution financing model, which is uh, um, something that's not really seen very much in biotech, because biotech just burns money. So naturally what that does is it shifts uh, the financing strategy from being so much investment oriented to also looking how can we try and self-fund. So confluence of factors here, they all come together and literally it was uh, last year, was not looking to get into food by any means, but came upon just realizing what dietary restrictions are placed on dialysis patients. So there's some major concerns within dialysis patients. You gotta watch your sodium, you gotta watch your phosphorus, you gotta watch your potassium. Um, but those things are everywhere. And so it really can restrict what you're allowed to eat. And 
For some patients, especially when dialysis is layered on top of other diseases, it gets even more narrow. So you have just a really small category of things that you're allowed to eat. Long story short, we realized, you know, I think there's an opportunity to come forward with a kidney-friendly food. There's not many kidney-friendly foods out there. You definitely have uh, heart-healthy, there's gluten-free, there's all sorts of stuff that you want, but yet there's a major market need, I'd suggest, for kidney-friendly, and there's a deficiency of kidney-friendly foods. So we thought, well, why can't we come to the table with something that kidney patients can enjoy, eat well, gets us to a spot where we're actually in the market with revenue, with a product, all the while we can keep pursuing our uh, drug candidates to try and help actually uh, improve more of the, um, improve the condition for dialysis patients. So Everbloom Health uh, came about as the name because um, we realized that, uh, you know, you do some things and you kind of realize later on how those things impact you. And we founded Sophilatech uh, as the name based off the science. But then one of the things we realized about that is sometimes it's hard to spell it and people have a hard time figuring out my email address, you know. So thought if we're going to go forward and make a food product, consumer good, we probably need a little bit different name for branding purposes. And so um, we set up Everbloom Health as a wholly owned subsidiary of Sophila Tech. And that is the entity that is advancing our food product, Burl Barley Granola. And the Burl Barley Granola uh, brought some samples, and I just opened up uh, and tasted it. It does. It tastes very good. Glad you like it. And uh, I think it's uh, I think it's a great product. Thank you. Now you have different flavors. Yeah. And so just coming up with one product can be challenging but you have multiple products. You know, how do you go about deciding on what flavor is gonna taste best to a wide range of people? Like, how did you go about getting that to where you knew it was gonna be a good product to sell? Yeah, good question. Wanted definitely more than one. Um, wanted to give options for it and kind of looked at some classic flavors of granola Personally, uh, I love granola. So when we made Burl Barley Granola, I started with our own recipe. I've made my own granola for years, just absolutely love it. Usually it's my lunch. So I took that recipe and then adapted. And um, cranberries are usually recommended for dialysis patients, so I thought, well, let's go forward with cranberry flavor. Maple syrup and pecan is another classical flavor in granola. So I thought, well, let's try that actually glad we did both of those flavors. Some people love them both, I love them both. In doing a lot of taste testings with people, samplings with people, uh, see a lot of people that gravitate towards one or the other. And it's not like a 60, uh, 40 thing, it's really split down the middle. Some people love this, some people love that. It's been fun going forward with both. We have other flavors in mind that we love to launch down the road, but uh, this is getting us out the gate. And what are the benefits of this particular product for kidneys? So on the kidney diet, especially on dialysis, the three things you gotta watch for are the sodium, potassium, and phosphorus. Used to be that whole, many whole grains were not recommended for patients. In fact, there's some old recommendations saying, please don't eat whole grain bread. Please have white bread, please have a donut, please have cake, because whole grain is a rich source of phosphorus. 
Um, the, the current recommendations are kind of moving away from that, but based off of that though, barley fell onto a list of recommended whole grains because it always has had less phosphorus than other grains. So if you compare, uh, our burled barley granola is made with rolled barley. Looks just like rolled oats. And if you hold them side by side, they look identical. But looks aside, the rolled barley is gonna have 35% less phosphorus than rolled oats. So simply by making our granola all with rolled barley rather than rolled oats, we can drop the phosphorus quite significantly. So in our cranberry flavor, that has 35% less phosphorus just by using rolled barley rather than rolled oats. So somebody eats our cranberry granola rather than their regular oat-based granola, it's a way for them to reduce their total dietary intake of phosphorus. Maple syrup and pecan flavor has 28% less phosphorus by using barley rather than oats. And that's actually kind of a, a fun story for me to tell because usually nuts are not recommended for dialysis patients. Nuts have a lot of phosphorus in them, so patients are told not to eat the nuts, but they love them. And that's, as we've been getting market feedback, that's one of the things we hear, we want nuts. By using barley, which has so much less phosphorus than oats, we can put a nice chunk of pecans in there and still drop the phosphorus by 28% on net. Well, that is very interesting. Trying to figure out a, a way to satisfy taste buds that they're going to keep going back to that and eating it, something that's gonna benefit them. Uh, I mean, that's that's great, because you know you hear no nuts and that's the first thing you're gonna wanna, wanna eat. Uh, that, that works out pretty good. I was in a dialysis clinic years back. Looks like a regular doctor's office. And at the very front check-in table was this knee-high little table full of all sorts of junk food and sodas and stuff. And there's a sign that said, don't eat this. And my thought was, if you're trying to educate patients, what's the best way to go about doing it? Put it in front of them? Why not put something that they like in an attractive packaging in front of them that they're going to want to go to? There's, I mean, the food companies put a lot of money into their packaging. They want to make it look good, but on the end, and it's going to taste good going down, but the stuff on the inside is not going to be the best for them. And that's the objectionable part from the dietary part. That, you know, it looks good, it tastes good, that's why everybody wants it, and yet for these patients um, who are in a hard spot already, the, the, what it's going to do to them on the inside is not very good. So my thought was, why can't we just fix the inside of that? Have something that looks good from the out, it tastes delicious, and the nutrition part is that box of check too. When you were going through to make these different flavors and trying to decide on what you were going to have, how did you do that? Did were you were you at work? Were you at home? Were you you know you said you already made some at home? So were you just trying to to research online what may be best to go into these things? Were you reading, you know, the guidelines as far as how much walnut you could have in there to reduce it to 28% and still be an effective amount to give them benefits for their kidneys? Yes to all of the above. When we made the decision to go down this route, it became like a um, front and center, all hands on deck. So uh, definitely looking at all the guidelines, looking at all the nutrition info, making batches taste testing them with friends, taste testing them with family, taste testing them with uh, people at work and coworkers, getting feedback on it, change this, that one's a little bit strong. Uh, yeah, it was a, it became an all-consuming project 
and uh, you asked about organization uh, earlier. My organization went way down during that project because it was all just uh, trying to get it done. So uh, I'm even still trying to dig out of a uh, out of an organizational mess that I I made. So I'm trying to still trying to get myself back on track after doing that. Your packaging looks great. Thank you. Now that takes a lot of time and consideration, and probably guidelines. Mm -hmm. Do you outsource someone to package, and how did you decide on what the package was going to look like? And also, did you have to put any special labeling on there? Like, you know, there's so many things now with the FDA. I I don't know who all you had to, to work through to get the product, you know, ready to go. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so I can't claim credit for it. Um, worked with a great designer off the West Coast, and uh, he did a fantastic job. So I give him all the credit for that. Was and this somebody that you knew or yeah. that someone had yeah. told you about? Uh, someone that I knew runs a small uh, small design firm. Uh, grew up on the West Coast, and so have known him for a long time. Uh, haven't had the opportunity to work with him before now. so was very excited just to have the opportunity to work with him. Great guy. But that took a lot of time, a lot of back and forth, a lot of iterations on that. You should have seen the stuff I was trying to do before we brought him on board. It looked awful, but he made it look good. Well, and that's, you know, you have your strengths and you want someone to have their strengths in order to make it the best product possible. And I definitely have my areas that are not strong, so that was one of them. He did a fantastic job. So he came up with the packaging design, yeah. and I guess when I, I mean design, more of the artwork that was going to be on it. Yeah. Now your packaging, there must be a million ways to package it, and you have a sealable bag so it can stay airtight. Yeah. How did you decide on that packaging? There was, uh, you see some trends towards that type of packaging in the marketplace now. So it's something that's somewhat on trend. You also have a convenience factor from a manufacturing standpoint. They're very uh, easy to manufacture, easy to make, very straightforward. Um, and then supply too, because you have a lot of uh, sources from uh, uh, vendors being able to make that type of packaging. So it, it just uh, part of it was um, just ease of getting it done, as well as then um, consumer preferences. I would imagine that you're outsourcing someone actually putting the product in these bags now and selling them, right. and then they ship them to you. Right. Uh, was that a pretty tedious process, trying to find the perfect person uh, that you wanted to use to help bring your product yeah. to be? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was quite the, quite the journey, putting the initial supply chain together. We had this made uh, by a group up north. They did a great job. But uh, definitely learned some lessons in supply chain. Uh, my, de- my degree in education is in biochemistry, uh, not supply chain. But um, had a crash course basically on the fly, uh, putting this supply chain together for it. It turned out well. Everything worked out good. Along the way, now we've been asking questions. You know, how can we optimize the supply chain, make it better, make it more efficient? I think there's some ways we can definitely improve it down the road and been working towards that, but um, it all worked out well. A um, little quick story on that. Uh, our very first batch was made at the beginning of 2019, and as you remember, we had that deep freeze that came through. So 
the group we used was up north and it turned out it was such a deep freeze that we had a pallet of ingredients that got stuck uh, just the the shipper closed down and <laughs> set us back a little bit but yeah you kind of learn some lessons trial by fire or trial by ice you know along the way and I think there are so many things that can happen you know with your entrepreneurial spirit you have to keep that going because you know every day there's going to be hiccups and you got to oh, figure yeah. out how to move forward yeah. and do the yeah. best that you can do with yeah you know you just never know what what could happen find a new way to get that done yeah well and I know you know trying to go through all those steps to actually get it to market uh, had to be pretty intense with all the different things you had to put in place to do that yeah it's uh, it's definitely been a learning curve and um, one of the things that just uh, makes you grateful as well just to see things continue to move forward um, you see uh, I look back and I see so many points like this should have failed this should have not worked any number of places where it should have just gone under but yet it didn't and it just makes me grateful just to see it move forward and it's motivating as well just to keep pushing on it and you have a strong faith mm -hmm. and faith plays a huge part in our daily lives yeah grateful uh, but at the same time we don't really do it all ourselves no so we kind of get guidance along the way I think you would agree with that absolutely would and uh, you know it's a, a lot easier having uh, that uh, thought process yeah of, of trying to do things the entrepreneurship is such um, a trial by fire and it really takes you to a point of just to ask you who you're gonna be are you gonna is this what you want to do is this how you're gonna go through it and so it, it you go to some deep places within you and so uh, yeah it, it, for me it's been definitely a, a, a period of strengthening my faith and just watching this let's uh, watching it move forward there are a lot of categories uh, in the food categories there's yeah. a lot of food categories yeah what category is yours in and does it have to be a specific category according to government regulations uh, what government entities were involved and what do you have to put on your label we're a breakfast cereal that's how other some other uh, granolas are snacks but yet I would argue that this is truly a breakfast cereal the FDA publishes their categories for it so going through that some of that is packaging as well too how it's meant to be consumed and this is meant to be consumed as a cereal we have several recipes for how it can be used for breakfast um, either hot cereal or cold it works great as both and you have some of those recommendations on your website mm-hmm yeah so we, we publish recipes on the website for it. But for example, there's a recipe for what I call hot burl, where you cook it just like you would oatmeal, either in the stovetop. Um, you could also do it instant, pour hot water over the top, do it in a microwave. But it just, uh, it, after eating a lot of rolled barley, compared to oats, I think personally one of the biggest things between the two is just the flavor. Barley's just got a great rich flavor to it, a little more nutty, a little sweeter. Um, so just adds a lot to it yeah it, it does have a little nutty flavor to it and then yeah. you put cranberries is one yeah. I've tried and it, it does have a good uh, flavor especially with those combined yeah. Uh, yeah it does taste really good yeah and so now I have to try it as a cereal yeah try so it that was just a definitely try so. it's it's good one of the things that was a change for me shift in 
and, and moving to uh, Everbloom Health, was so used to thinking on the drug development side where you um, you protect your compound with a uh, patent and then what you're going to do is you're going to communicate everything to the data so it's all about the data and of course you have data on the barley and some of the key data we're talking about is the uh, the phosphorus content the phosphorus production but yet as a food you can't communicate a food through a spec sheet and you can't communicate all through data it really comes down to try it see what you think it's it's so experiential and so it's been a, a change of thought for me and just how to uh, bring this to market is I can tell you about the, the good parts of it but you could probably make a rice cake or like a, a plain cracker or something that has less phosphorus too and it's not gonna taste good so I wanted to make something that tasted good and yet still had all the right nutritional boxes that were checked on it now your supply of everything that goes into this product are they located in the same area as your packaging person or where where does it all come together do you order it and it gets sent sent to a uh, a warehouse where do where is that warehouse where they package it i mean what state or city it was up north where we had it made um, and we sourced ingredients from all over the u.s Part of the initial thought was for the initial batch was to just get it done and then focus then on optimization and refinement later. But um, really put a priority on getting it made. Um, didn't want to get it made at such a price it blew everything out of the water from a budget standpoint, but um, really prioritized just get it done. The things came from everywhere, it elevated our freight costs. So some of the things we've been trying to do is trying to find suppliers that are um, closer together to keep some of the costs down, freight costs particularly. Uh, one of the things we ran into with barley is just that there's not a whole lot of supply of it. It's not a widely uh, used food ingredient from a whole grain perspective. Um, you have like little bits and pieces and a lot of different products, but as far as like going to uh, a grocery store and buying a whole grain barley product, there's not a lot of options. You can get pearled barley, but that's been refined. Think of like brown rice, white rice. Um, tons of nutrition, but yet not a lot of options to actually get it. So one of the things that got me excited about this in the first place is that it's recommended for patients, good for them, and yet uh, I would suggest a gap in the supply. So that's why I thought we could kind of plug that hole. You have recommendations that you should eat barley the question how do you do it there's not a lot of good barley options whole grain barley options out there um, so that's what I wanted burl barley granola to be is to be a solution but then that took the problem on me <laughs> how do I get it and when I was making the first batches of it I had to buy rolled barley for uh, almost seven dollars a pound <laughs> and you think of how much you pay to you know for rolled oats right not seven dollars a pound so we uh, found uh, a good supplier of it <laughs> definitely got it for less than that <laughs> had to get our costs down but had to take that work on ourselves of how are we going to get whole grain barley you see much more supply of oats wheat and other things and in fact most of the barley goes to beer so you kind of have to fight with brewers you know <laughs> how am I going to get my barley so it was a definitely a journey I was glad to see it come together would this be a product that you could find at Whole Foods I don't think you're in Whole Foods currently, right? Not yet. So, but this is a, a product that would be considered something that they would like to see. 
Yeah, and that was really the whole business case behind it. Took this forward to be a kidney-friendly product um, and really made it for dialysis patients and people with kidney disease. But yet, um, to build the uh, commercial case behind it, um, anticipated that this needed to be a product that could be um, consumed uh, in a general population as well. Something that's not just for kidney patients, but something that everybody can enjoy. And from the kidney patient perspective as well, I didn't want them to have something that, you know, here's my special little cereal that nobody else wants to eat. This is just my little, feel isolated in that standpoint, but something that was good for them and they could share to everybody else that was good for everybody else too. So something that was really designed for kidney, but yet could expand out to the mass market and something from the business standpoint that eventually a product that could be on the public shelf, on the Sprouts, on the Whole Foods shelves. You have an interesting way, I think, we talked a little bit earlier about uh, how you're going to different uh, kidney runs. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that that's part of a marketing plan too to try to get it to people that you know instantly can get their hands on it. Uh, can you kind of tell us a little bit more about how you are marketing and getting the word out about this product? Yeah, we're reaching out um, directly to the kidney population and really focusing on the dialysis, but expanding a little bit beyond that to people upstream from that, if you will, people with kidney disease that haven't quite uh, progressed to the point of needing to be on dialysis. So some of the things we're doing with that is attending kidney walks, and these are so much fun. Uh, we're kind of in a lull. Some of this in the summer, they kind of take a break right now. But during the spring, we were in Birmingham, Huntsville, uh, South Bend, Indiana, as well as Detroit, Michigan, um, heading back up to Detroit again uh, in a couple weeks to go do another uh, uh, Donate Life walk. And they're just so much fun. They're typically like on a Saturday or Sunday morning. There's a lot of energy. And it's just a great spot to uh, get in front of a lot of patients, get in front of a lot of uh, uh, people that are on the uh, provider side. The response that we've seen has been great. The focus has really been to get uh, get the word out there about us. Um, we typically provide samples so people get a chance to try it. We get to tell them about how it's got lower phosphorus in it by um, adding the barley, using the barley instead of oats. And so uh, it's been wonderful to see the responses. People are so excited about it. Have one guy kind of almost blow up with excitement about it, getting all where have you been? How come I haven't known about you? And it's just, um, it, it's very much uh, validating from a uh, marketing standpoint. Um, kind of had, the, the kidney population has really been overlooked a lot, I would suggest. And so to come to them and say, we made this product for you, I think is um, a very differentiating statement. Had several people um, ask the same question, how come you're doing this? Are you a patient? And I take it, maybe I'm misreading it, but I take it as a, you know, why do you care about kidney patients? Fantas from my standpoint, it's, it's wonderful because then I get to say we love kidney patients and we recognize the need. We wanted to put this on the table for you. So uh, it's been a great time to get the word out there and tell people about it. And I noticed that you had a coupon to use. Now, where are you putting those coupons? Are you putting them in race bags, or are you trying to put them out in a, a 
newspaper or the focus right now is on the kidney patients and so we're uh, those are being distributed to a lot of um, dialysis clinics as well as then um, nephrology clinics with doctors and such making them available right right now those coupons are basically to anybody and everybody we can get to in the area we're in three stores two stores in the Huntsville area one within Birmingham so those coupons are designed uh, to be used in store uh, we also have a mail-in program some in the some people in the dialysis community um, prefer mail-in purchasing the classical I think the classical uh, purchasing programs so we have some of that uh, uh, that we offer as well too just for people who are interested in it and the coupons can be used there um, we're selling it through our website so usually we in areas where we don't uh, have a store presence um, a convenient store presence for people we also distribute uh, discount codes for the website really just trying to take away hurdles for people to get access to the product to the product uh, patient access has been a big um, focus of ours uh, for the past several months now how can we um, how can we get this into the hands of more people where it can help them and I guess that you have an attorney that kind of helped with patents trademarks uh, was that process uh, a fairly easy one for you? Did you know much about that? Did you know what attorney to go to? How did that come about? We've worked with an attorney, a legal firm um, out of Nashville for the past several years and uh, they've handled all of our patent work as well as the trademark work. Uh, trademarks were uh, a lot quicker and painless than the patents were. <laughs> the patents are still ongoing but um, very pleased with the position that we've built from both of our uh, patent applications as well as our trademark. And with a patent, do you know when you will hear back from those? We're, we're in a holding period right now, still in the process of trying to uh, obtain the issued claims on those. Um, we still have some ways to go on those. Okay, and uh, you know, and just like with everything, there's challenges along the way. Yeah. So you just have to try to figure out how to overcome it. Yeah, there's back and forth we'll go through as with all patents. And you're traveling a good bit now. Could you just kind of take us through your day from the start of your day to the end of your day? Like what time you start, what time you end? How does that look like? I mean, are you tied to the office all day long? It's, uh, it changes day to day, but um, try and get myself out of bed early. Harder and harder to get myself out of bed early. It just it feels more like I get hit by a truck every morning. but get up and get going usually uh, uh, some of the first things I do in the morning is checks where our advertising has been we use um, social media a lot of for advertising to so check and see how uh, those are going make sure the accounts are going well um, fulfill orders that have come through overnight um, and then trying to right now keep balls moving so things going for uh, Sophila Tech. We've been working on some patents lately, so moving some of those things forward. Right now in the middle of a big marketing campaign, uh, so trying to, taking a lot, it takes a lot of hands-on time, so trying to move those things forward. Um, onboarding some an employee, so just going through just day-to-day -day stuff right now. And are you kind of doing a little bit of everything, so are you taking the orders in and you're shipping the orders and doing all that so you're sort of 
you can do anything uh, at this company. Um, really, you do it all. Yeah, what, what needs to be done. Is there anything else that you would like people to know about your company? Is there anything else that you'd like people to know just in general uh, about you or, or kidney disease? One of the things that over the pipe dream of ours, if you will, um, would be we'd love to see the awareness of kidney disease uh, grow. Um, if you look at the national stats, they'd say that 15% of the U.S. population has kidney disease, but only about 10% of that number is aware of it. So that would mean you've got a very significant portion of the U.S. population that has kidney disease that is unaware of it. You first hear that, you might think, well, who cares? You know, I've probably got other stuff. You know, what does it matter? But yet, the importance of the kidney is, is I think, underappreciated. That once you have the kidney disease, your risk of heart disease goes up. You certainly don't want to let that progress to where you get to the kidney failure and you have to be on dialysis. If you look at some of the numbers of how many people get placed on dialysis without being aware that they, previously that they had kidney disease, the numbers are staggering. So you, you go into the doctor, you weren't feeling good, and the doctor says, you gotta show up at dialysis. Your kidney just failed, and you had no clue. So you progress through all these stages of kidney disease when there's something that could've been done, and yet nothing happened, and you still wind up on dialysis. Or maybe you died of a heart event that was perhaps related to your kidney disease, and you just had no idea that the kidneys were having problems. It's, um, it's an issue that's growing in awareness in the medical community. We'd love to see it become more of an um, awareness issue in the general population. We'd also love to be part of that. From the patient's standpoint, want them to just have access to what they need to help them live better. If our product can help with that, we'd definitely love to be there, but really it's a patient first. What do they need to get healthy or to manage their disease better? So we'd love to just see awareness of kidney disease grow within the U.S. If we can be part of that solution, we'd definitely be part of it. Otherwise, we still just want to see the awareness grow. The time has come to ask you the last question. The final question asked is given to us by our previous entrepreneur. Our last podcast was with Jeremy, owner of SIP. And Jeremy asked, how did you get funding to start your business? So we, I said earlier that my co-founder and I said we'd pursue a low dilution financing model, um, but that was not a no dilution financing model. So we have done some, uh, have taken some investment. We started out with what I originally called the uh, an educated fan, friends and family round, uh, and we've done some small financing. Everything has been really modest within there, and we've used that uh, uh, for funding. Uh, by doing that, it's been a blessing because then forces us to uh, make sure we're capital efficient. We said we wanted to pursue capital efficiency, uh, and I'm very pleased with the progress we've made. It's been fantastic to see, you know, learn how to stretch a dollar a little farther, and now here we are with Pearl Vernola on the market. Well, thank you for being here today. Uh, could you just tell people where they can find your product and what events you may be at? soon and your website yeah and social media yeah so uh, our website is burlgranola.com b-u-r-l granola.com and it's always available there 
Uh, we're in two stores in the Huntsville area, Pharmacy First, uh, just down from Huntsville Hospital, as well as uh, Star Market up in Meridianville. In Birmingham, we're at Bama Health Foods off the west side of town. Those are the three uh, stores that we're in right now, in addition to our website. And of course, there's mail-in options if people want to. They can always reach out through the website, and we'll be glad to send them a, a mail order form if they'd like. Okay. All right. Well, as we close, Chris, if you'll please write down your last question for our next guest and tune in to find out how they will answer it on the next episode of epitch.org. And again, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Please check out my website at epitch.org or anchor.fm slash epitch.org to listen to future podcasts and on my Twitter account, epitch.org, to learn more about entrepreneurship. May these individual stories inspire you to do great things in entrepreneurship. Thank you. Thank you.